You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's pay-per-view after show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's pay-per-view after show. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to a very special Tuesday edition of UFC AfterBuzz. My name is Chris Kloss, sitting next to George... Redondo, is that right? No, George Hermosa. Is that a correct? Okay. Daria, <laughs> the other beach. Yes. Daria <laughs> Barnado, MMA fighter, our analyst, our expert, aficionado extraordinaire, Mr. J. Ken. Welcome, guys. Hey, again, again, a very special Tuesday edition right here. I'm excited. We're not talking about pay-per-view today. We're talking about Fight Pass and... What a weekend. I, I should say, what a Saturday. Two UFC shows in one day, one airing on Fight Pass, mm-hmm. the other airing on Fox Sports 1, totaling 22 fights. Before we get into that, I want to introduce our very special one guest, just one guest, uh, <laughs> one of the most iconic names and faces in MMA, been involved with MMA since before UFC 1. Uh, when he trained with Hori and Gracie back in the early 1990s. Together they developed the Gracie Resisting Attack Procedures of Law Enforcement, otherwise known as Grapple. I want to introduce, thank you so much, big John McCarthy here in the studios. A pleasure to have you. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. You worked worked with Hori and Gracie and Art Davey, creators of the UFC, to develop the rules that later became known as the Unified rules recognized by the Association of Boxing Commissions, otherwise known as ABC, and the athletics, uh, Athletic Commissions across North America. So one of the most iconic faces again and one of the most recognized referees in the entire sport. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. The most. Absolutely. So, uh, again, welcome. Thank and, you very uh, much. Th- Glad th- to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We will get to him later. Yes, we will. <laughs> but right now we want to run down and we want to get your thoughts on the main event, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about Fight Pass, Mark Munoz taking on Gegard Mousasi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight ended quickly. I don't know. Uh, we were talking earlier. I think there wasn't too much of an upset as far as who won, talking to Redondo over here. Hermosa. Hermosa, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, uh, but but the, the, the fight ended very quickly. And was that so much of an upset? I mean, to me, not really. I, I really expected Gegard Mousasi. He was ranked number 11 of all the middleweights, and I think he was very unjustly ranked. I think he should be a lot higher. Former Strike Force light heavyweight champion, former Dream uh, champion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think the guy, Mark Munoz, another talented guy, but uh, he's that one guy that maybe can't really get over that hump. And I think that Musasi is, again, a lot better than what he's, he was ranked. So to me, it was no surprise. I don't know about well, you guys. We should fill in to the viewers uh, and listeners. Uh, the match was uh, Gegard Musasi beat Mark Munoz uh, just over three minutes into the first round uh, with uh, TKO. 
from Strike. No. Is that right? Rear, Excuse rear, me. Rear, rear I apologize. Naked choke. Yeah, rear naked, naked choke. Uh, hey, what kind of a rear naked choke a was it? Grip. A gable grip rear <laughs> naked choke. That yes. is messing with me. Cause... Um, so Mark Munoz is uh, known specifically for his wrestling. He's a mm-hmm. uh, um, NCAA champion, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and came out of Oklahoma State, powerhouse state for wrestling. And uh, has been in the UFC for, for several years. Has been one of those guys that people really expected to, uh, um, to rise slowly but surely. Mm. Um, and had a lot, of, uh, a lot of potential. He's had some great wins uh, in his career so far. Gegard Mousasi is a star who uh, has been fighting outside of the UFC for most of his career. He's come in recently uh, through the acquisition of Strike Force. He was uh, fought in Russia and all over Europe. Then joined Strike Force. As you said, won the, uh, um, the Strike Force uh, light heavyweight title there. And uh, and then with the acquisition uh, brought into the UFC, um, it was a pretty even match. As, as George was saying, uh, Musasi was ranked at eleven, I believe. Yeah, Munoz was seventh, and uh, Musasi was eleven. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, what happened was uh, Musasi is known for, especially for his, uh, he's got a kickboxing career. Um, so you got classic uh, grappler versus striker uh, motif. Mm-hmm, yeah. What surprised me. Um, Mark Munoz came out early in the in the match, went straight to his takedowns. He was shooting, right. and I think I counted one for five <laughs> takedowns. Mosasi um, is not known for his wrestling, but had very good takedown defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Munoz was shooting from really far, and just I didn't think that uh, I was surprised that he was shooting from that mm-hmm. far away. You know, but Gegard was able to keep him at bay um, they, when they clinched up against the cage in the middle of the round. Um, Munoz went for, I believe, a wizard, a takedown from wizard position, and Gegard ended up on top. Mm-hmm. Gegard yeah. stayed on top mm-hmm. and um, wore, ended wore up getting the rear naked down. choke. Yeah, yeah, yeah warmed down with mm-hmm. punches, got the rear naked choke. And uh, it's one that I could see. Uh, I, I saw uh, Munoz winning, but, uh, you know, played out the other way. Mm-hmm. And it does, it does beg the question, you know, where is where's Mark Munoz in his career? And Gegard Mousasi continues his climb yeah. uh, up the rankings. So, yeah. So you could have saw it going the other way? Yeah, I think it was a pretty even <clears throat> match. Um, I think, obviously, we needed to see a better Mark Munoz show up than who did show up. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he just doesn't like. I mean, I love Mark Munoz, but I mean, you mm-hmm. put him up against Machida or uh, Weidman or Weidman, um, and then you know, unfortunately, yeah. he's on the losing end of the stick. But you put him up against you know the guys that maybe the aren't the, the guys that haven't really made mm-hmm. evented yet, and he beats those guys. So just, I think he's yeah one for three in his last four, yeah. I believe. But uh, yeah, one you know, three, against one, one against Chris 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 Weidman. I can forgive that one, you know, yeah. and uh, no, Machida. That, was that was a very last minute, uh, a last minute thing as well. And obviously, Machida is very dangerous on the feet. So, you know, not to not to alibi away his losses, you know. But uh, we'll see where he goes from here. Yeah, uh, I mean, he said he's not done, so I, mean, yeah. I really hope that. Uh, I'm sure he gets he's back not. On there. I think it's a matter of just retinkering his game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Real quick, <laughs> talking about losses. Weight loss. Maria Menounos (laughs) came out today. Good segue. It's the Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness. It's her second book. And we're going to show you a clip right now. Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. And I want to share my newest book, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness with you. Basically, every woman always stops me and asks me how I lost 40 pounds. So I decided to put it all in one book. Everything I did to lose 40 pounds step by step and how you can too is in here. 
I did it with no time, no money, and no willpower, and now I'm going to show you how to do it too. You can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, wherever books are sold, and it's out June 3rd. So I hope you guys love it. I hope it helps you in your weight loss journey. And please, please tweet me and update me on your progress at Maria Menounos. Thanks. All right, well, that book is out. It just came out today once again, so pick up a copy of that book. We're going to be talking about another book in yes, just a little are. bit. <laughs> uh, right now, I want to run down some future UFC doubleheader dates. This is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. The UFC holding two events in one day, so this should be quite extraordinary. The first date, June 28th, August 23rd, and October 24th. Those coming up. Of course, in the future, and we will be here discussing that and before that prior leading up to those double headers. So, uh, UFC.com for details, for details. and uh, where to watch them. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, I, I think it's time to uh, prevail yeah. upon our guest here. Let's get uh, it on. Let's what, talk. Let's, <laughs> yes. Let's nice one. <laughs> I, I want to also. heard that one. No. <laughs> now, now, you are also the creator and head instructor of. Command. I love. I love the. Uh, you know the way you. Uh, the synonyms here. Uh, cer certificate. Certificate. Certification. certification of official officials for mixed martial arts and national development. An international recognized, uh, internationally recognized, and ABC accredited MMA referee and judging training school. So, um, uh, future referees, future judges coming up in the ranks. Future. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the the command program was put together because there, there came a point where we had we have so many shows that started coming and we didn't have a lot of experienced officials. And so it was, you know, my idea to try to do something that I thought was going to benefit the sport. There's a lot of, you know, instruction that's out there. You can mm -hmm. go and you can go to an online course and say you get instructed. You can go to uh, other ABC certified instruct instructional courses. The one thing you'll find out of the command that is good and bad is it's the hardest course there mm. is by far. Every, everybody that's <clears> taken <throat> multiple ones say there's no comparison about which one's harder. And I look at that, and, and I've had a lot of people say it's wrong. You shouldn't fail these people. You shouldn't do this. I always look at it. You know what? No one has the right to get a license from any state mm -hmm. athletic commission. That's yeah. a privilege. Mm, yeah. And it's a, it's a privilege to be able to work with Fighters like Mark Munoz, Gegard Mousasi, those guys put in an incredible amount of time and effort to get to the level that they're at, and they deserve to have people that understand what they're doing, how they're doing it, if they're doing it correctly, what they're going after, and if people don't understand that, well, then you're not going to pass my course. <laughs> and so mine's kind of tough. It's got a lot of tests. I have uh, to be a referee. It's a three-day course. There's five tests, and when you if you pass it. That doesn't mean that you're ready to, you know, just jump in there and start right away. We have a lot of people that they have this, you know, desire to be part of MMA, and that's yeah. awesome. You know, we want that. But they also have this desire to step into the big show and think that it's going to be this great experience, and many times it is the worst experience of their life. <laughs> so we have it set up here in California. If you pass my course, you get to uh, start to work with the amateurs out of the camo program. I have a lot. I have guys that have... Uh, taken that command course that have risen all the way through uh, the ranks and a lot of them I can I can sit here and name off all the ones that have been mm. officials in the UFC and, and I take a lot of pride in that I'm, I'm really happy that a lot of them have made it to that that point well kudos to you for that and you should uh, again you've been there since before UFC one so if there's anybody to uh, look to as far as refing and the rules and regulations 
and a lot of that has got to be in this book. And and <laughs> I want to plug this book right now, aptly titled "Let's Get It On." When did this book come out, John? Ah, that, I want to say like two years ago. Okay, some, somewhere okay. around there. It was, uh, that was a me and uh, Loretta Hunt. Loretta Hunt was my ghostwriter on it. We spent uh, time putting it together. She had asked me long ago, you know, to write. You know, she mm-hmm. wanted to write a book, and I kept telling her, "No, no, no." And as things were going on, and there's a lot of people out there that uh, they take credit for things that they never did, and they uh, they they sit there and say they try to. Some people try to change history, mm-hmm. and I got tired of you know listening to some of it, and and some of the people that. Uh, really did a lot for the sport. And there's a person in there that I talk about a lot, and that's Jeff Blatnick. He did a lot for the sport mm-hmm. of MMA. Jeff Blatnick mm-hmm. was an Olympic gold medalist in Greco-Roman wrestling. And uh, the UFC back long ago, you know, we stole Jeff hmm. Blatnick's credibility to try to make us credible. We said, look, we have an Olympic gold medalist who loves what we do right, and understands right. it and mm-hmm. this and that. And we kept, you know, using Jeff. And Jeff was an, an incredible ambassador for the sport. And he kind of got pushed to the side mm-hmm. later on, you know, in uh, in the show. And things kind of, you know, went bad. Then he kind of came back. He was actually a judge in New Jersey and kind of was getting back with the sport and stuff. But, uh, you know, recently he just passed away. But I was really glad that I was able to put stuff out about what Jeff had done and other people had done it and made, you know, some semblance of uh, what really occurred and how it occurred. Wow. John's book is a lot of fun to read. Um, I checked it out uh, finally over uh, over the last Christmas holiday. I, for the first, uh, for probably the first year, actually, I had it for only a year and a half. I apologize. <laughs> it was and it got, was so hot on his shelf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't have the time to to set aside, frankly. And I would get through one or two or three chapters or so. You know, I got to. Uh, I got to the, the, the gift that I'll uh, draw back later on, uh, that <laughs> chapter, and then would put it down. And then finally over Christmas I said, I'm bringing this, the only thing I'm bringing to read uh, over the holidays. And I went through, I'd say, three-quarters of it in one night, mm-hmm. you know, just going to sleep, and I didn't go to sleep. A lot of fun, a lot of great information and backstory on the creation of the UFC. It's oh, a good, si- so good size read, too. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. No, it flows very smoothly. There's some <clears> awesome <throat> pictures in there, and uh, it, it gives a lot of depth to, you know, for, again— my casual fans love you guys out there. If you want to learn about the sport and get some real depth of how did this whole thing evolve and the ups and downs that John's gone through, uh, he is not. We'll, we'll talk about this as well. He's not quote unquote a UFC ref, you know. Right. Um, but uh, you know, there's he like anybody else in the sport has gone through the ups and downs, and uh, there's a really, really a lot of interesting, uh, good backstory stuff in there, chock full of great stories. One thing I'm sure is touched upon on there that I want to talk to you about is the judging system. I know that's an evolution in itself, still growing. <laughs> and I've spoken with you about this briefly in our other interview. So I want to talk to you about where you think our, our judging system is going, where you'd like to see it go. What do you think is still wrong with it? <laughs> There's a lot wrong with <laughs> Putting it. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and, you know, just going back, Jeff Blatnick and I are the ones that the, the current criteria for judging is exactly what Jeff Blatnick and I wrote back in 1998-99. Currently call, right. or called the Unified Rules. Now they, they, they now say this is the Unified Rules of MMA. This is the judging criteria. Right. It's exactly what we wrote. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay? And when we wrote it, you had to understand the UFC was in a position where we had a lot of political pressure. We had a lot of people that were against us. It was really off of cable. The only way you could really see it was on 
if you had at that time satellite. It wasn't even mm-hmm. dish or direct. It was satellite TV. Yeah. Right. Thanks, and, John McCain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, hey, and, oh, it's, and it's not. It's just because he cared about people. That's all. Just let's make sure that's in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got some great Arizona beachfront property for you. <laughs> but, you know, when you, when you look at it, what we wrote was based upon, you know, what we thought was going to be the best thing. And, you know, I can tell you at the time, you know, the first thing that we put out there, you know, when I tried to, you know, put it together the right way was the word damage. Because what people don't understand in a fight, people look at fighting different than it really is. Mm. You know, <clears throat> fighters don't look at fighting the same as the average person does. They're not there to permanently hurt mm-hmm. their opponent, but they need to damage their opponent. And when we talk about damage, it's damaging their ability to be effective offensively against you. It's damaging their endurance. It's damaging their spirit and, and their, their actual desire to stay with what they're doing at this moment. Right. There's all kinds of things <clears throat> you're trying to damage, but damage is a huge part of fighting. Well, Bob Myrowitz was the owner of the UFC at the time, and we gave him this thing, and he looked at me and he said, are you freaking kidding me? You want you, I have everyone in the world trying to shut me down, and you want them to be able to take a look at the first thing that they're being judged on, and it's damage. Hmm. So we ended up coming up with you know, effective striking, effective grappling, mm-hmm. octagon control, effective aggressiveness, and we actually had at the, the time effective defense that led to offensive actions. Okay. Hmm. And that was what we had you know, put together. And to this day, in 2010, they switched one thing. The ABC went and switched and took out the effective defense part because we've always said that you don't score defense in MMA. Everything is offensive. Right. And so they took that part out. So that's mm. been the only change since 1999. Well, so mm. now okay. the, the, the aggressiveness in the sport is more acceptable. Do you think that the rules are affected there? <laughs> there? There are people out there that still, to this day, they don't want the word damage. Nick Lembo really? in New Jersey. We can't put the word damage. Mm. It's ridiculous. I'm just going to say it straight out. It is. Now, every year, things should be looked at. The sport is evolving. Mm-hmm. The fighters mm-hmm. fight differently today than they did right. 10 years ago. Yeah. The sport's evolving, and we need to evolve with it as, you know, just, you know, the commissions, the ABC, the officials, everybody needs to evolve with it because if you don't evolve, it's going to pass you by. Mm-hmm. And those rules should be looked at every year on what can we do to make this better. Right now, we hamstring our judges. Our judges are getting, they're getting raped over the coals about bad, of, you know, bad judging when many times they are actually following the criteria the that rules. there is part of mm. their rules of right. what they can do and people don't like it. Then good, change the criteria. I'm right. telling you, it needs to be changed. When you look at, you know, everything that we have, we, you know, the, the four major criteria, there's only two of it that actually makes up a fight. And, and we kind of, I kind of took, you know, effective aggressiveness and ring kick or octagon control at the time. I took that from boxing as far as ring generalship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit who dances the best? Right. You know, it doesn't matter. All that matters is who is punching who, who is kicking mm-hmm. who, who is elbowing who, and who is out grappling and, and putting submissions on. If you don't have those two elements in this sport, you don't have a fight. Right. You don't have anything. You have guys that are moving around, maybe looking real tough with their face, right. not touching each other, and how do you judge? You can't judge that. <laughs> right. So the, the things that need to be put in there are who is actively attempting to finish the fight? Who is the guy that is going after this fight in a way that he's trying to be offensive? 
who's the one that's backing away from it? Does it, he's right. not going to get you know any any kind of credit? Who is the one that's actually being effective in damaging or diminishing the abilities mm-hmm. of his opponent? Who's winning the fight? That's going to tell you who's winning the fight. Do you think that that wording has the potential to change now that it is becoming slightly more acceptable, except for the guy in New Jersey? I would love to think it will, but you know what? We're going to have to wait and see. Time. Time Time will tell. tell. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of controversial UFC bouts, I do want to drop uh, a few of them. Before we get into that, though, let me just let everybody know. Get your tablets out. Get your phones. Get your computers. At TV on Twitter. I want you guys to follow them. Awesome, awesome thing to follow. Get your phones. Oh, get your phone. At AfterBuzz on Twitter. At like Chris Buzz TV. Do, hadn't done that already. At AfterBuzz TV. <laughs> he took us a little too literal. At AfterBuzz, you got it? At AfterBuzz TV <laughs> on Twitter. Appreciate you following yeah. them? Mm-hmm. Me too. News and info on all the latest AfterBuzz shows. Yeah. At AfterBuzz TV on Twitter. All right, guys, you heard him. Now, I do want to talk about some of the most controversial UFC bouts in history. Yeah, we wanted to get your opinion um, on these. To, to be clear, I do not think you refed any of them. You probably refed one, but is I just before I maybe get into one. that though, okay. is it different maybe being in the ring or in the octagon with the guys, kind of being able to are you just strictly refing or are you kind of judging into the back of your head too? No, you don't judge in the back of your head. You're you're watching things mm-hmm. for, for what you need to do. Safety of the fighters. It's yeah. all about the safety right. of the fighters. Does not matter who is winning or it, it matters in the fact of you will if you watch me referee, if you know, you'll know who I think is winning the fight based upon where I stand. Mm-hmm. Because I'm always going to stand to the point where I see the person who's getting beat up. I'm going to see their open side. That's Now, sometimes you know, I'm going to be the open side of, of the other fighter just for because of movement or something like that. But you're going to see me staying most of the time to the open side of the guy who's getting beat. But I'm not thinking about what the score should be or anything like that. Have, right. have you ever refed uh, a match and then sometimes afterwards thought, "How the hell did the judges come to that decision?" After the match, after the match, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's just that's just the way it is. It's a subjective right. thing. There's there's one thing that you need to understand as far as as the referee, I get to move freely within that cage, right, right, and I see everything or just about everything. Hmm. The judge gets to sit in one seat, and many times, you know, my big butt's in the way or Herb's butt's in the way, or the angle is they can't see what occurs. Sure. And the other thing that they don't have most of the time, sometimes they do when the fight's right in front of them, but they don't get to hear the fight. Mm. And when you hear the things that are going on and you hear the sounds that come out of fighters and things like that, that's a lot of information there that sometimes they don't mm. get. Interesting. Yeah. Um, We've talked about that in the past yeah. where – a match, even just for fans, a match can come across very differently on TV than if you're there live. Absolutely. And even more so when it's Big John and, you know, the judges. Have you ever felt when walking in there and seeing each guy come in, oh, God, this guy's going to lose today? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> in no John's th- book, he talks about the best seat in the house, and that's part of why you uh, you got involved in the event, right? Yeah, like, there's there's no doubt, you know. I would tell you that if I, you know, I was able to bet on it, at you that know, moment, ninety-nine percent of the time, I'm going to tell you exactly who's going to win. Every now and then, one will shock me. Right. But right. you know, I don't care who wins, and so it doesn't matter to me. But I do want to protect the fighter. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so you you do look at, and fighters will tell you, fighters don't talk with words; they talk with their body language and their motions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they say a whole lot. And you know, when a guy's eyes are doing certain things or his body language is certain way, you know. Mm-hmm. He wants to be anywhere but where he's at. Really? And you know this is probably not going to be a good day for him. 
Do you have one that comes to mind? Oh, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Buy the book. Buy the book. I tried. I tried. Good shot. Thanks. Um, talk a little bit first. Let's give some backstory to those that uh, they, they see you on TV. They don't know you as well. Talk about your, your backstory with uh, with the UFC, how you got involved. You work with Hori and uh, I got involved like with the UFC. You know, I started... Um, even touching on the, the police work, because I know your work with uh, with the LAPD mm-hmm. kind of segued into, and I think it's worth going back to uh, when Chris mentioned Grapple, how you and Horian came about, because that's really the basis of... Uh, I, I met Horian Gracie through uh, a... Um, it was a meeting of a lot of martial artists for the LAPD. Mm-hmm. And I was asked to be part of uh, this martial arts review panel and stuff. And, and you were a cop at the time. Correct? I was a cop at the time, and they have, they had an individual. I'm not going to say his name, but he was he was there, and he was you know, trying to demonstrate how his martial arts could work for police officers in given situations. And uh, he had this student that was with him, and he was tossing the student around. He was doing a beautiful mm-hmm. job of tossing him around, but the student was allowing himself to be tossed around. Sure. And so you know, I'm sitting there, and I kind of you know, I'm looking, and he he looked at me, and he says, he goes, yeah. You, you you don't think that this is going to work? And I said, I said, yeah, look at it. it's working at something that's allowing it to work. Mm-hmm. If someone right. doesn't want that to happen, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. He says, well, do you want to step up here and try? And I said, well, I'll step up there, but I'm not going to just stand there and I'm not going to just let you do something. I'll do something back to you. Mm-hmm. He says, that's okay. <laughs> well, I, I had wrestled you know for a long time in my life and I box and he ends up doing something. And I pick him up and I. Basically, I double leg him, and I end up mm-hmm. in mount on top of him, and I and I have his arm, and I, and I gift wrapped his arm around, mm-hmm. and I'm slapping him. <laughs> and I said, "Now what are you going to do?" <laughs> and my my boss, he started yelling at me, "Get off of him!" And so I got off, and I said, "I'm sorry." And I get back, and I, this guy comes up and sits down next to me and starts talking to me, and it was Horian Gracie. Mm-hmm. He says, "What martial art do you do?" And I go, "I don't do any martial arts." <laughs> and, and, and that was how my relationship with him. He invited me down to a school. I went down there. I started, you know, the first guy I, gra- I grappled with was Hoist. He, wow. uh, I just fell in love with what they did. Mm-hmm. And so I, I became a student. I became a believer in, you know, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I loved, you know, Hickson and Hoist and Hoyler and all of them were great to me. And then they, at a certain point, you know, there was this show that this, you know, a little loud guy named Art Davey was going to, you know, <laughs> trying to put on. It was called War of the Worlds, and it eventually <laughs> turned into the UFC. And after the very first uh, show, after the very first fight, actually, you know, the, the very first fight that happened in the UFC was Gerard Gordeau against Taylor Tooley. Mm-hmm. And the referee for it was a gentleman by the name of Zhao Bahetto. I know him very well. I've talked to him, you know, a lot. He was a black belt under Elio Gracie. Mm-hmm. And he in that fight, did what he was not supposed to do uh, because he had compassion for another human being. Taylor goes charging across. Gerard goes (laughs) Gerard circles out, and when Taylor goes down, Gerard kicks him to the face, knocks a tooth out, it goes flying, flying, hits him with a right hand, cuts him at the eye, and Jalpeto comes in and stops it, but he wasn't supposed to. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be that the fighter had to tap out of the corner through in the towel, and which probably wasn't going to happen at that point anyway. Yeah, because no, everyone's because no one had pride. any idea what they're doing in any yeah. ways. And so there, there was this conf- conflict between Hori and Gracie. You can watch him, you know, go back to the old videos, and you'll see him and Jao Bahetto are yelling at each other in Portuguese, and Jao <laughs> Bahetto saying, this guy can't fight. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and that's what got me my job. Hori came to me and said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. 
And I go, what? What do you need? And he says, I need you to referee for me. I said, dude, I don't know how to referee. <laughs> and, he, and honest to God, my qualification in his mm. mind was, he says, John, you know everything that guy, you know, you know what guys should be doing. You know, you know what you're looking at. And you don't mind seeing people get hurt. <laughs> that was really what it was, is that I didn't mind seeing me. You, you see a lot of bad things. You'll You're going to be, okay be the liberal guy. I'm going to be the guy gonna gonna be too conservative, right? That's it. So Jeez. that's how I got my start. So never crossed that's your amazing, mind before right? then? Refereeing never crossed your mind like never. previously? Never. Talk about what you did want to do with the UFC originally. <laughs> well, at a certain point, I wanted to fight in it. But you know what? That, uh, that was quickly comp- – you know, and, and I'd say, look, at Horian gave me that opportunity to be the referee. After the first show I did, I said I will never do that again. <laughs> and uh, look at you now. But he gave me the greatest gift, other mm-hmm. than my kids. Yeah. You know, uh, he gave me the greatest gift I ever got because it led me into a life that I never would have lived. I've got to do more things, be part of more things because of mm-hmm. that yeah. one little thing of him asking me to be the referee. Yeah, right. and certainly, you know, a, an authority figure and a, and a, and a recognizable. Uh, presence, and uh, a more a, important role in the sport than uh, than you probably could have envisioned, having you, uh, have you had you been a fighter. Absolutely, yeah. Fighters have come and gone. I yeah. mean, of course, there's legendary yeah. ones, but Big John McCarthy has been here all along, and we still know his name, and I'm sure we always will as being mm-hmm. the first yeah. referee of U- the UFC. Well, we have some uh, questions, some fun questions to uh, fun for who. Well, uh, actually, definitely fun for us. That's another. <laughs> that's another us. good question. Uh, go. like, who are they fun for? Uh, you want to kick it off, Dario? Yeah. Ladies first. Okay. Who is your favorite fighter to share a cage with? Just who brings that energy? You get in there with them, and you're. I'd just be like, lying if I told you one. I'd be lying. Give us five. Three, okay. five. In no particular <laughs> order. Yeah. In no particular order. We're yeah. not being biased right. here, but. Just yeah. some fun guys to get in there with. I well, when you say fun, I am honored to step into a ring or cage with anybody that has the guts and courage to try to be an MMA fighter. Okay. And I mean that. There's obviously 99.99999% of the fighters I have absolutely respected and cared about. There's always going to be the idiot. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so... Who's the idiot? I was going to say, you're not you know, going to Who's a good one? I, I can't think of a, a true name of one that you would know. Sure. I'm serious. I can't. You know, every, you know, they, uh, there's always one bad apple in the bunch. Uh, well, there's someone that's going to act like a fool. Yeah. Right. And, you, you know, and sometimes you have to do things about it, and sometimes you, you end up taking wins away from people, and that's just part of life. Right. Yeah. But... Yeah. All of them, you know, the Chuck Liddell's and the Randy Couture's and the Fedor Emelianco's and the Anderson Silva's and the George St. Pierre's and all of these guys, you know, how do I, how do I pick just one? Right. I'm, you know, BJ Penn, I, I leave him out. I feel terrible leaving him out. I can't just pick one. Right. What is it about those guys? What's the through line, that, that quality that they all have that gets you, pardon the pun, buzzing for your job? In your position. You know, it's the fact that they come in and they put it on the line, but it's all about that moment, and they don't make excuses about things. Mm, they okay. come out and do things, and sometimes, you know, this is what people don't realize. Is they come out when that date shows up. They, they appear, mm. and, okay. and sometimes they're at their very best, and sometimes that's a bad day for them before they even walk in the cage, and you know mm. it, right. and they still have 
the courage to walk in that cage. And that's what courage is about. Doing something when you know this is not a good thing to do <laughs> right. and going yeah. on doing it anyways. And that's what I see out of some of these guys. And I just absolutely admire what they do. Performing when you're at your worst it says so much more about you than absolutely. when you're at your best. Mm, I mean, we've true. seen guys over the years fight with broken hands, broken ribs, this and that. Getting approved by medical just a few days before something bad happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they go in there and they do it anyway. Yeah. Recent yeah. bouts. Is there a recent bout that comes to mind that you were just in love with the performance? Oh, God. You know, if I go to 2013, the two fights that, I mean, I, I just, I mean, was so impressed with the performance. Uh-huh. I love John Jones against Alexander Gustafsson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. It, mm-hmm. and this is what people don't, I look at it differently. I got two guys that are about 225 pounds each. Mm-hmm. Absolutely maintaining a level of motion and action for five rounds at you know five minutes around twenty five minutes that was absolutely right. incredible right with the amount of damage that they were inflicting on each other. I mean, mm-hmm. speaking of that fight, what you did, ref? Um, I mean, how close was the doctor to stopping it? Because I heard you had to beg. <laughs> talk beg. about that one. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love the words beg. that come up. It's like, if I beg a doctor. It's definitely not going to be for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I read it on the internet, so it had to be true. Yeah, absolutely. So. There yeah. You, go. you know what? What happens is, you know, with doctors, we, we have a lot of different, you know, levels of everything, and we have ringside physicians that are incredibly gifted at what they do. And when I say that, it's very difficult to be a ringside physician. It's difficult in the before the fight. You know, when you have. As a doctor, you have people come to you. Those people are sitting there saying, oh, doc, my elbow hurts, my hand hurts, I got a problem with them, my head on this side. You're telling the doctor everything. Well, fighters are doing exactly the opposite when it comes to that medical. What's They're going in there, and the doctor's saying, what, you know, what injuries do you have? None. <laughs> what problems do you have? None. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have any kind of, you know, you have any problems with this training? Nope. Absolutely good. So the doctor has to try to find yeah, yeah. Yeah. these okay. things. And there's ways that they do it when they're good. And then when it comes to being ringside, there's doctors that, you know, look at a doctor has taken a Hippocratic oath to do what? Do no harm and to take care of people that are injured. Yeah. Right. Well, when you've got two fighters in there and one's injured, you're supposed to take care of them. So it's a hard thing for the doctor to stand back and go, yeah, let him just keep on yeah. going. Yeah. It's not <laughs> right. easy. Right. So, you know, what happened with, you know, with Alexander and, and John was, and it would have been exactly the same. A lot of people said, oh, you helped John Jones. And it's like, you know, you're retarded. <laughs> if, it was, if the same thing was happening with Alexander, I would have done the same thing mm-hmm. with Alexander. Right. I, I had two guys that were in an incredibly competitive fight. I have John Jones, who is the champion. Alexander is absolutely putting on a fight where he possibly can take that title. John had been cut since the first round. The cut had gotten a little bit worse throughout the fight. And at the end of the fourth round, it was a nasty cut. It didn't look good. But it wasn't affecting John in the fight, meaning that he wasn't pawing at it. He, you'll see guys, when they get affected by something, they'll sit there and they get hit, and they sit there and they'll, they'll pot their eye to try to get the blood out, and they keep on touching it. It's telling you, up here, it's affecting them. John They're wasn't distracted. doing that. John wasn't doing that. John was absolutely mm-hmm. let it go. And so when the doctor looks at it, the doctor is looking at it as a doctor saying, it doesn't look good to me. He said, I think I should stop the fight. And so I'm looking at him saying, Doc, he's gone four rounds. He's the champion. This is a close fight. If it gets worse, I'll bring him to you. Mm-hmm. Let him go. And that's what I'm telling him to do. And the doctor looks at me, and you know, this is the same doctor that I worked with when I had Mark Hominick with the huge oh, you know, oh, yeah, like the baseball on his Got the big old goiter there. on his head. <laughs> oh. And so he listened to me in that. And so he trusts me, and he says, yeah. okay. And so the fight continued on. There was no real begging. 
Look, looking back, we don't beg doctors. I mean, do you go back and kind of judge the fight after post post fight? Of course, um, do you think the right person won? In that, yeah. Okay. John won the fight. If you go back and watch, and it, I think what a lot of people did with that, and Alexander put on an incredible Amazing. fight. But because Alexander was doing things to John Jones that nobody else had done, hmm. they gave him more credit in the fight than he really deserved as far as they didn't give John enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you, you go back and watch the fight, and I've watched that fight probably ten times. Wow. Absolutely, John Jones won the fight. It wow. went to the right person. Do I want to see him fight again? I want to see him fight again. <laughs> right. I think it'll be a great fight. The other fight that I absolutely loved last year that I was lucky enough to do was Eddie Alvarez versus Mike Chandler. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was down in Long Beach. unbelievable. Those mm-hmm. two guys beat the piss out of each <laughs> other and just kept going. And both of them had chances to win that fight before it came to a, you know, a decision. It was absolutely a high energy, just incredible output by both guys. So those are my two favorite fights from last year. Those hmm. are definitely that I, good ones. That I did. Another very close one there, too. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to ask you about five close ones in a second. You want to throw them at him, George? Yeah, let's go. I mean, I mean, these are ones that you didn't you didn't you ref. You did not so ref. If anything, you probably got that uh, the spectator aspect. But the first one was uh, it was a while ago. It was Matt Hamill versus Michael Bisbing. <laughs> um, it, it was funny because it was I think if anybody remembers, it was in England. It was in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, right? And there was two British re- uh, British judges and one American judge. Nope, if you're I'm, wrong. Two American and one. There you go. Two American. Mm-hmm. One one British one. The two American ones scored it for Four. Bisbing. Uh, one British. Hamill. But I think the thing that irked everyone was just Bisbing was so cocky at the end and just kind of acting like he well, completely dominated Hamill. Here's, here's the thing that people don't get. The fighter, Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping's a good guy. He's a great guy. I love refing Michael Bisping because he's tough. He absolutely comes to fight. He is a great fighter. I love watching him. And you get to foul him all day long. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mike. I'm not saying that Michael hasn't made mistakes. We all do. We all grow and we all mature and we all learn things from some of the dumb things that we've done. And I've done a ton of them. But in that fight, what people don't understand is Michael Bisping was not sitting on the outside watching the fight. Mm-hmm. He thinks that he's doing well at times that everyone else is going, you're not doing too well. <laughs> and he honestly believes that he won that fight. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got a corner, you know, and all corners are different. Corners are telling him, uh, you won that round. So as soon as his corner says he won the round, in yeah. his mind, he won the round. So at the right. end of it, he believes he won the yeah. fight. And people are looking at him going, oh, you should know that you didn't win. He doesn't. It's not the way you're thinking. Right. So did I think that he won that fight? No. I thought, I thought Matt Hamill won the fight. But, you know, this is what happens. And this is, you know, when you have it, you know, people, you know, the, when you look at the judging, I think Cecil Peoples was one of the judges. I can't remember who the other American judge was. But the, the British judge had it 30-27 for Hamill. I think that's what yeah. I had it, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are some people that did. I would. I could have gone twenty nine, twenty eight on it. I could have seen that, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't see Michael winning the fight. Mm. What, what, what did you think was the worst call of all time? If you could pick one, whether it be uh, yours or someone else's call, you know. <laughs> there's been a lot. <laughs> there's been a lot. I'm sure. I know that's yeah, kind of narrowing been, it down. There's been fights a lot of people haven't seen. Some and, that yeah. stick out, maybe. Oh my God! I'm trying to think. Uh, there was a fight in uh, that happened back east I did uh, with Mike Easton, who's part of the UFC now, against Chase Beebe. Chase Beebe was on Mike Easton's back for probably about 17 mm. minutes of a 25-minute fight. Mm. 
and you know was going after chokes, was was punching not really hard. There was some moments for Mike, you know, Easton when he was in the stand-up that he was doing well, but always ended up in a bad position. And when you when you understand when someone's on your back, it doesn't matter. You're defending. You can sit there and throw an elbow back. That doesn't do anything. Right. right. To sit there and say that's an offensive action, it's not offensive. Get your butt out of there. That's being <laughs> offensive. Mm-hmm. And so that was a fight that was not good. I didn't, hmm. uh, you know, there are a lot of fights that take place that people look at and they think are controversial. They say, oh, controversial decision. It's not controversial at all. You wanted one guy, John Jones against Alexander Gustafsson. You wanted Alexander to win. You think he won because everything that he's doing, you're giving more credit to. Everything that John Jones is doing, you're giving less mm-hmm. credit to. And so you're looking at the fight with a little bit of a slanted yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. Right. And that happens with a lot of fights. You know, Johnny Hendricks fights George St. Pierre. In that fight, the problem with the scoring of that fight is the rounds that Johnny Hendricks wins, he wins decisively. The rounds that you can give to George St. Pierre, he's winning by a small margin, but when you look at the scorecard, Hmm. they're the same. And we've got to give the judge the ability to say, hey, okay, this is absolutely a difference in this round. We've got to be able to mark it down. Wow. You think that the trick is uh, we've got the 10-point must system, which was brought over and, and modified for boxing yep. in the early days. Is the trick to rearrange or to change the criteria of the 10-point must system, or is there some other version, kind of like Pride used to do, that uh, where you guys judge who won the, f- won the fight at the end of it? The, what do you the, think is the key? The problem with the, the, the old Pride system is to judge a fight and say, by the end, I'm going to say who won, you don't remember the beginning. Yeah. No matter what anyone mm-hmm. wants to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sit there and to concentrate for five minutes. That's true. Mm-hmm. Without looking at thinking about anything else. Very true. And then to write it down and let it go, mm. that's fine. But to sit there and say, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes or 25 minutes, it's just not going to happen the way mm-hmm. you want. The problem is we have... Like I said, the, the criteria is wrong, and our use of the point system is mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. We have it to where, you know, in boxing, if we have a knockdown, and a knockdown in boxing, it doesn't even mean the guy was hurt. Mm-hmm. I get a guy that I hit, he's off balance, and he touches the glove down. That's a knockdown. knockdown. He's going to get an eight count, and we'll get the fight going back together because he's not hurt. But it's a knockdown, and it is now a 10-8 on the scorecards of the judges. If you look at... Boxing, when we have 10-8 rounds and all three judges give it that 10-8 score, 88% of the time that occurs. Mm-hmm. When you have 10-8 in MMA, where we have all three judges giving it a 10-8, it's 2% of the time. 2%. Really? That's a problem. Wow. That means we have judges that are not looking at things the same way. Not all 10-8s are even. So we've got to sit there and say, look, at, we need to make a 10-9 is a very close round. Mm-hmm. One guy <clears throat> you know, squeaks by the other guy. A 10-8 has to be where it is that Johnny Hendricks, George St. Pierre. It's clear he won the fight. A mm-hmm. 10-7 is when we're getting into get he got dominated. dominated or he got damaged. Mm-hmm. And even, even with what we have now, when we talk about you know, a guy getting you know, a 10-8 round, we usually mm-hmm. go by the double Ds of domination and damage. You get those two, mm-hmm. you should give a 10-8 to that person. Mm-hmm. But we have judges that at that point sit there and start to think, okay, should I? You've, if, you, if you say you've got this and you say you've got that, it's automatic. Give it to them. Right. And it can be at times that we have fights where we have just domination of the round. We have a fighter. Quentin Jackson had a fight against Forrest Griffin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forrest ends up winning the title. If you look at the first round, 
Quinton almost puts Forrest out of the fight. Mm-hmm. He almost has him out. But it goes to the second round, and Forrest start, starts out. He hits him with a couple leg kicks. You see it hurts Quinton because he kind of hobbles. Yeah. He ends up taking Quinton down, and for five minutes, mm-hmm. five minutes, Quinton does not do one offensive action in that round. How do you give him nine points? You can't. Yeah. He didn't do anything. He survived. All he did was live to get up off of his feet to come back and fight another round. Right. But we have judges that give him nine points. You can't do that. What are mm-hmm. they seeing when they do that? <laughs> They're saying, well, Forrest didn't damage him enough for me. He okay. dominated mm-hmm. him. Right. Dominated the action. <clears throat> and right. so you've got mm-hmm. to say, that's a 10-8 round. Because we right. can't. We need to tell fighters. We need to be able to say, look, if you end up getting... Someone takes you down, gets your back, and you're going to sit there and hold on to it. That judge is going to give that fighter a 10-8 round against you. Right. So you're wow. going to be in real trouble. So you, you might want to try to get out of there because right. you're basically giving up the fight on the scorecards if you stay there. So it's just as much as of Forrest being in a good position for the whole time as well as Quentin not doing anything at all. Like, it, well, if you're not going to work for it, then you should you be know, penalized. And Forrest was doing a lot during that round. He was elbowing. He's punching. He moved from... You know, psych, he moved from half guard to side control to mount. He was in mm-hmm. mount at the end, and he's hitting him a lot. Yeah. Were they hurting him? It's hard to hurt Quentin Jackson. Right. He's a tough guy. <laughs> but right. you know what? He was doing everything that you you want a fighter to do while one was doing nothing but mm-hmm. holding on and surviving. Control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real quick, guys. <clears throat> Go to iTunes, rate and comment, tell a friend. It only takes a minute to like. Mm-hmm. Uh, a question I want to throw out to you. Um, we had a couple guests on, uh, Josh Barnett last time, Don Fry, and these are a couple guys that... They don't talk much, do they? Uh, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> Especially not Don. I get a few quiet. words in edgewise there, but... Uh, Ugh, um, no comment. Don Fry, Josh Barnett, a couple guys that kind of made that transition from pro wrestling to MMA back and forth, and um, the UFC is such a mainstay now. Uh, we were talking to them, the differences in professional wrestling and their careers, how they transition. The WWE, for example, of kind of that one company that's monopolized the business. There's really no competition. Do you see in the next, say, five to ten years any competition, or is the UFC going to be the only game in town, in your opinion? Well, I, I, to say that they're going to be the only game, they're obviously not going to be the only game in town. But are they the NFL of right. MMA? The NBA, NFL. They are the NFL yeah. right now. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if you sit there and look at it any other way, you're lying. Yeah. They are by far the biggest promotion that is out there. Absolutely. And, you know, Bellator is a good promotion, and they're coming up, and they, you know, they're still making, you know, you know uh, steps towards gaining, you know, position and stuff. They have the money behind them that they need with Viacom being the people that actually sure. put money towards it and stuff. But Viacom is going to have to, you know, make the decision on do they want to compete with the UFC? If you're going to sit there and if the UFC really has no competition, well, then who's going to take them over? You've got to try to compete with them. Now, the UFC is going to sit there and compete back and sit there and do things. Of course. You know, but it's good for fighters that there is multiple big shows for them to go to. Absolutely. It's not great for the fans always because if that one fighter that you want to see fighting over yeah. here is over in this one and you can't get that fight made that you want that that sucks that was that was uh in pro wrestling too uh they they had that and, same thing and and the company wants to be the only game in town but when there was competition it was it was more interesting on certain levels yeah and, and and everyone's going to be in a you know a position 
you know, if you could go back years ago, go back to when Zufa bought the UFC. Mm-hmm. At that time, Dana and Lorenzo, they would have co-marketed with Pride, yeah. who was the mm. biggest actual right. MMA promotion that's in most people's minds. They were looking at saying Pride had, had surpassed UFC. They were they were into that. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll 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 co-promote with you. You know, I mean, a lot of that was because the UFC had something to gain in that, right? Absolutely. So yeah. now, if you're the UFC Economic now, decision. what's your reason for co-promoting? That's with right. Anyone? Yeah. All you're doing is marketing Killing someone else's brand. Absolutely, it doesn't not. make sense to you. Yeah. And, and for someone to sit there and say, "Yeah, but they should do it," it's like they are a business. It's a you business. Need to understand, yeah. this is <laughs> yeah. at the end of the this day, this is a business. They run their business in an incredible fashion. They, you know, for the you're going to hear all kinds of things about fighters and fighters pay. Look at fighters sign on the dotted line. Okay, and when you signed, if I sign a contract to buy a car, and then you know six months down the road, I don't think that's a fair price. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Right, I signed right, on the damn line right, for it. Okay? Fighting is a privilege; it's not a right. Exactly. Right? You know what? No one's forcing you to sign with the UFC. Right. They're offering you something. You take it. Then, damn it. Yeah. Fight, yeah. win, and if you win and you get to the end of that contract, then ask for more. Then that's your right. But mm-hmm. yeah. no one's ever going to be perfectly happy. Everyone wants more money. Dana wants more money. Lorenzo wants more money. Every fighter wants more money. I want more. It's money. understandable. <laughs> right, right, but yeah. it's just that you know, there's always going to be that that balance between the promoter and the fighter. The promoter wants to pay the fighter as little as he can to get him out there, and the fighter wants to get the promoter to pay him as much as he can yeah. for him to go out. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Simple of business. Course. That that is that is what. Um, you know, has happened in with the NFL, with the WWE, with the NBA, yeah. and if they're going to have the opportunity to do that, then, like you said, it's a business. As far as uh, refereeing, and um, have you ever thought yourself of doing different sports ever, or other than MMA, as far as officiating? I, I officiate boxing. I, oh, okay. I officiate okay. boxing here in California. In fact, um, I'll do the the. Glory kickboxing has got a pay per view show mm. here on the twenty first. I'll be an official cool. for that. That's gonna be awesome. How, how far yeah. ahead do you know uh, what you're going to like? Are you already going to ref the, the July show in, in the UFC? Or uh, I do know certain shows that I will be working. You know, uh, if uh, I had to actually turn down a UFC this week in Albuquerque because I'm in Vancouver teaching, and then I'll work the UFC well, that's up there. Okay. Um, I do. I do have the. Uh, uh, UFC that's in San Jose, and then almost like a week later, there's mm-hmm. one down in the Staples, and I'm doing both. But just of those. to clarify, you're not a UFC referee; you're a mixed martial yeah, artist referee. That. No, no, that's okay. that's the State Athletic Commission contacting me and saying we want you to work the show. Can you work it? You know, when when uh, I was this week, I was I have so many shows that I had to turn down this week. It's, it, it crushes me. I hate turning them down. Mm-hmm. But I had taken a thing about teaching up in Vancouver, and then I got a call from. The uh, Chickasaw Nation, which in Oklahoma is a tribal commission for the Bellator show. And I said, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. take that. I've already uh, scheduled myself here. They said, okay. And they go off and get somebody else. And right. then I was contacted by the New Mexico State Athletic Commission mm-hmm. for the UFC, and I had to turn it down. I get contacted by, you know, usually via email by the California State Athletic Commission saying, hey, we have a show for you. Do you want to uh, accept this assignment? And you tell them either yes or no. Yeah. You've even worked... Jay Tan's show, oh. the amateur oh. event, Thanks, U of MMA. Check it in the mail there, yeah. <laughs> we uh, didn't have you uh, on Sunday, but... Um, That's because the California State Athletic Commission had me teaching inspectors. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah, that yeah. happened, uh, that was, that's yeah, twice in a row that uh, CSAC and us yeah. didn't quite coincide well on the uh, schedule. Um, 
All right. Well, I've got a couple of quick questions I want to run past you as well. But first and foremost, uh, let me get this out of the way. Um, they say behind every great man is a great woman, and in this case, perhaps even an even better woman. And uh, to that end, um, I want to uh, I want to present uh, our. Our guest gift, as uh, maybe we'll dub it here, which ties into a storyline in the book, which you should go and if you want to find out the story, which it's really a good one, uh, pick up the book at Kindle or Amazon. Don't tell me you got me a ZimZam. <laughs> I don't remember that part of the book. Oh, it's a great but part of the book. this Come is on, even better. Now, nah, I'm going to zing you guys so here. So you guys are going to be completely clueless, but this is oh. a good <laughs> I couldn't find peppermint. In because it's <laughs> summertime. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But here you go. Oh, oh man. Thank you so much. Dark, nice wow. I hate peppermint. Strawberry <laughs> so much better. A five-gallon tub of ice cream. That's awesome. It would have been peppermint because that's Elaine's favorite, apparently. <laughs> to our fans, uh, this is how John wooed Elaine on one of their first. I don't know who was wooing. I was trying to make up for <laughs> doing something. She thought I was nuts. Not a proud one. But hopefully that'll make for a good date night. That's awesome. Especially Thank you, you and the kids and the grandkids and all of that. And everybody else in the world That's with that it. tub. Right. <laughs> the, well, uh, I guess we are going to start wrapping things up here. Okay. But, uh, before we go, once again, the book is Let's Get It On. And again, uh, a lot of accolades as far as your teaching goes. We were talking about, just momentarily, we were talking about pro wrestling. And I know you've gotten into boxing, but... It'd be great if you could teach some of these guys, because even on a a big stage and a big level, they seem to make so many mistakes to get distracted, unlike you, the MMA guys. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pro wrestling referees. It's it's amazing how there's... there's, I should talk to those guys. Charles Robinson (laughs) and the Hebners could probably use the command system. (laughs) Take a page out of your book, literally. You don't have have an evil twin somewhere like that Earl Hebner, do you? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Little John McCarthy. Okay. (laughs) Well, anything else that you would like to uh, tell your fans? Anything? We talked about the book websites anything right now before we sign off here uh you know what uh, i just want to thank everyone that uh watches and actually supports the sport of mma because without the fans the fighters don't get to do what they do i don't get yeah. to do what i do and it is absolutely appreciated if you ever have questions or anything like that you know usually if you go on twitter you go to uh john mccarthy uh at john mccarthy mma uh for twitter and i'll answer questions on Judging things, refing things, if I can, or questions about the rules within the sport or anything mm-hmm. like that. Awesome. I'm always there to uh, try to get people so they understand the sport a little bit better. Absolutely. Well, it was great having you in the studio here. And uh, as far as our next show, uh, before we get into that, let's uh, get some plugs out here for us. Uh, go to chrisclass.com, the Chris Kloss Show coming up very soon. Go to lalightning.net. Hear me do color commentary for the NBA D-League, L.A. Lightning, up in Thousand Oaks in Venice Beach, California. I mean, I, I Chris Claus show. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. <laughs> Double I plug the Chris yeah, Claus show, I can't right? Wait. The Chris He's Claus a producer. Show. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, at G Hermosa on Twitter. At G Hermosa on Twitter. Daria? At Daria B28. Uh, I just want to say that Big John McCarthy is one of my favorite people in yeah. the MMA world thus far that I've met. He really is Cosine. a genuine man, and he knows his one stuff. One of the best guests, mm-hmm. My favorite too, people yeah. in the world. Not just the MMA world, just the world. Oh, just the world. wow. Just the world. Wow. You don't oh, get out very often, do you? Uh, University of MMA will be coming back to you guys August 24th. We're taking a little bit of a summer break. Club Nokia. It's going to be another hot one. This one uh, over-exceeded 
my my expectations over exceeded. Over, over, yeah. Over. Thank was, you guys. There was, there was so I hope you come check it out. Um, by the way, happy birthday to Nicole and Tabitha. Mwah. Love you both. Are you gonna bring your mom ice cream home? Yes. Well, we, I did that Tell a couple weeks ago. Maybe can I get one scoop? Just one scoop. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a double. Yeah, this scoop. <laughs> so are you. Better oh, man, in your hand. Big John McCarthy. Thank you very no. much. Thank you. Great to have you, sir. What are we? What are we seeing next week? What are we doing? Uh, we are. We return Sunday, June 8th, with another special guest, recapping UFC Fight Night: Henderson versus, you Bur- know, <laughs> Ruslan. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Fox, I still got to practice that name. Yeah, yeah. I won't uh, lie. On Fox Sports 1. Thank you very much, fans, for joining us again. We will see you Sunday, June 8th, right here on UFC AfterBuzz at AfterBuzz TV. Thank you. So long, everybody. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Yeah. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.